The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. For he makes his son rise on the bad and the good, and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? Do not the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brothers only, what is unusual about that? Do not the pagans do the same? So, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus. The very essence of Christian life is a fundamental sharing in the life of Jesus Christ. That is the great gift that we receive in holy baptism. We don't simply become members of the church. Our sins are not simply washed away, strange as it is to say simply for something so great as that. Rather, those things happen because the Spirit of God gives us a sharing in the life of Jesus. So much so that the true Christian eventually can arrive to that point of saying with St. Paul, no longer I who live, but Christ alive in me. Paul is speaking out of this reality, and so is Jesus in our gospel reading today. And St. Paul does it in a surprising way. He is taking up a collection for the poor and even starving and struggling Christians back in Palestine. And he is going to the different communities that he has established and animated and asking for their participation. And he writes of the Christians in Macedonia because he is stunned by what these people do. They themselves are poor to the point of great neediness. They themselves are a community that is struggling simply to hold things together. They themselves are families that don't have ready resources. And yet it is this community that seeks Paul out and says, don't you think we're not going to contribute something to? What a remarkable attitude that is. This is not generosity because I have extra. This is not generosity because I don't know what to do with all the good things I have. This is a community of the needy saying, out of our neediness, we will give. And then he speaks how the giving is oddly abundant. They give, he says, according to their means, which are limited, and then beyond their means. They are 
recklessly generous in worldly terms, giving more than they ordinarily should. And it is out of a desire, it is out of a desire to be good to those others with whom they identify. These people they've never met. These people who all they have in common with them is their Christianity. And they say they are our brothers. They are our sisters. We have not met them. We do not necessarily speak their language. We don't have enough for ourselves. And yet we have something. And out of our poverty, we will give to sustain them and enrich them. What a remarkably powerful statement. And St. Paul knows exactly what he's doing because he's speaking to the Corinthians saying, you see, you can do that too. You who have been blessed with so much, understand that your wisdom, your talent, your ability, everything you've been given is something that's not merely at your service, but at the service of these others. Because belonging to God demands that we belong to his people. That means you guys are stuck with me. Um, but note the implication. There's never me and Jesus. It's always us and Jesus. And because I share the life of Christ, I share something vital with you. And it is this love of Christ which lives inside each of us that reaches out across time and across distance so that however needy any of us may be, there is always something, always something that can be offered. And so note, this is why St. Paul says, I'm inviting you to show the proof of your love. That's a remarkable statement, but he understands that real love delights in showing itself. Love that doesn't show itself, frankly, isn't real. It's the dream of love. It's the idea of love. It's wonderfully sentimental, but it does nothing. And so he says, I invite you to give evidence of your love. In other words, show it. Show it, not out of a sense of mere obligation, but with that impulse, that love that is real, always wants to express itself. And note that Paul says, show the reality of your love by means of your concern for these others. Don't simply speak about how much you love God. Understand that if you love God, you will also come to love those others whom God loves. And so express that. If you love God, you will care for those who are important to him, who are precious in his eyes, and you will value them. What a remarkable statement about true generosity um, and true Christian greatness. And after saying all of that, note what St. Paul does. He brings it back to the life of Jesus that we all share in common. 
And who is Jesus? He's the one who made himself poor so that we could be rich. And it is the poverty of Jesus that enriches us. And so note this beautiful vision of the body of Christ, precisely because it is the body of Christ, as that communion which is willing to impoverish itself for the enrichment of its weaker members, that is willing to expend itself for the uplifting of those who cannot raise themselves. Just as Jesus emptied himself and made himself poor, why? Not because he liked being poor, but out of his poverty, our enrichment emerges. And Paul says, and look at the church in Macedonia. That is what we're seeing. They are poor. And out of their poverty, they extend themselves for the enrichment and the betterment of others. What a marvelously hope-filled message that really is. Because isn't it the case when we find ourselves limited for whatever reason, we also find ourselves with dozens of reasons not to do anything. I can't move, I don't have the energy. I can't move, I don't have the time. I'd like to help you, I don't have the finances. I'm just not any good at anything. And notice how, in a sense, all of those excuses begins with the implicit statement, poor me. And the church in Macedonia doesn't begin that way. It begins with, yes, I'm poor, but I still can. So often, we who have so much are defeated by the little things of life that highlight our incapacity. And here is this marvelous example of a people who have very little capacity outdoing their better off brothers and sisters because they don't stop at incapacity. They recognize the greatness of Christ. And it's the same idea then that we hear with Jesus in the gospel as he speaks about a different poverty that we have the relational poverty that the human race has always struggled with. If you're nice to me, I will be nice to you. If you're good to me, I just might be good to you. If you are like me and get along with me and let me have my way, we will be just fine. But if you challenge me, if you're inconvenient to me, if you're too different from me, you think different, look different, believe different, speak different, I am free to dismiss you as a stranger or to even be cold and hostile to you. So note what Jesus says as he looks at his disciples. You've got to be better than that. There is something more about being with me because a Christian can't be just another citizen of the world. You've got to be better. And so if you tell me I'm a good family man, I'm happy for you, the Lord's going to say, but I'm not impressed. That's a pretty minimal expectation that we should have. 
I'm kind to my friends. And the Lord's going to say, that's good, but it doesn't make you special and it doesn't make you good because anybody can do that. If I'm kind only to those who are kind to me, well, who can't do that? It's not nothing, but it's not very much. And again, the great temptation of Christian life is to settle for the not very much. I'm doing okay. I haven't done significantly wicked things. But I also don't extend myself. And again, sitting beneath all of that is a certain selfish preoccupation with myself. As long as I get something out of the relationship that's good for me, I will be good to you. And note the preoccupation. It's all about what I get, what I feel, what works for me. But when I think that way, what I'm not thinking about is what works for you and what is good for you, even when you are kind to me. As Jesus says, let's step away from that. And again, note what he does. He grounds it in God. He grounds it in the life and the heart of God, of which he is the very enfleshment. And so he's grounding it as well in himself. And the Lord, notice, he dies for us not because we're so good. He dies for us not because we're so faithful. In fact, he dies even for those who drive the nails through his hands. Note how remarkably powerful that is. I lay down my life equally for my perfect and sinless mother as for the unthinking man who hammers that nail through my palm. What a remarkably powerful statement that is. And the Lord says, this is how it should be with us. Kindness should not be conditioned on somebody first being good to me. Kindness should be something we're conditioned to give and to extend. And again, note the energy of living. In a sense, it's a certain hospitality of the heart. And it's not that we welcome everybody into the intimate corners of our lives but that there is a spirit of welcome about the genuine Christian, a spirit of real concern and a willingness to step in that direction, not because I like the person, not because the person's been fair, but simply because it's right. And so the Lord points up in the sky and he says, look at the sun. It doesn't simply give its warmth to those who are friendly with God. It gives its warmth to everyone. Look at the rain. It doesn't simply fall on some, depending on their goodness or their wickedness. It falls on everyone. This is the perfection of God. God is about caring for his creatures. God is about caring for his people, not because they deserve it, but because it's what he does.
It's what is right. And how beautiful it is that we can reflect on that here when at this altar that same Lord Jesus Christ is going to be present. You know, and our number is small, but it's still safe to assume some of us had better weeks than others this week. But note, he's not here for any one of us more than the others. He's here for all of us. And we all get to come forward in our need, in our poverty, and we extend our hand out to him who still makes himself poor so that you and I can be made rich. And we receive real wealth in receiving him. A wealth that he wants us to go out and bring to the world. And the reason the Lord is so strong and so serious about the Christian must be better than the world around him is because that's the only way the world's going to know, really know, about Jesus. When the world can see that he makes a real difference, not in what we say, not just in what we think, but in how we act, in how we live. And the body goes forth to extend that great love because it's what we do. And we do it because it's what he does. And he does it because that's who he is. And in receiving him, that is who we are too. Amen.